nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to a fun-packed, thrill-filled, bonfire night special edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week, we have... And now, from Norwich, it's the Polka Michael of the Week. Hey! I always reminds there we me go. of... Mr. Johnny lived next door. Lives next Absolutely. door. Absolutely. You know, and been, now... I've been out with pissed, Nicholas Parsonov. Pissed from yeah. Norwich. <laughs> and then they do the Parkinson theme. Oh, wonderful stuff. And I just thought of that earlier because I saw a random sale of the century come up on YouTube. I had a watch of that and I remember... And this, I think, is why ITV was held in such disdain in my family. Um, I remember my mum seeing Sale of the Century when we were around at my nan's. And she was incandescent <laughs> with anger. She couldn't comprehend this programme in which people are paying, playing for money. She just... Uh, common. Um, Good God. But, but then, of course, this is superseded and suddenly she's got Leslie Crowther doing The Price is Right. And the moment that he gave it a come on down, oh, no, absolutely right. not, because now it was common and American influenced. So, ah, yes. Ah, yes, it certainly was, wasn't it? Well, there you we'll, go. we'll go, we'll, I don't know what this got to do with Guy Fox. Uh, uh, here we go for the, for the viewers. Look, not. here's our budget. Here's our there bonfire. We there we, we go. We only uh, afford the one. A home bargains candle. Um, yes. What was I going to mention before that? Pissed from Norwich, da -da 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 -da. Parkinson, um, Parkinson game shows. Oh yes, yeah. so we had the lovely. I love that on a Sunday. You had the lovely Anglia logo, which was mm. a kind of crusader on a horseback, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Um, and sale essentially. What I loved about that on the theme, they must have had like you know very early electric drums. Boo 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 doo. Boo 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 boo. Do you know what I mean? Those noises. So I can, I can sort of see Phil Collins with the old rubber hexagons whacking them. In my head, now, anyway. Now, let me ask you a question yeah. here. It's interesting you say that, because earlier on, I was um, just having something to eat, and I was listening to Radio 2. Right Now, don't judge me on this. Sorry to hear that. I know, I know. Well, the bloody radio won't go up to four at the moment. It's stuck. But they played a Phil Collins song, and I thought... This is all right. I like Phil Collins. No problem with is me. There, is there an age where this happens, or have you always liked Phil Collins? No, I had, in 1981, I had the single of You Can't Hurry Love, and I used to play it over and over again. That's the song that was on was on Radio 2 before. So that's right? a Supremes just... cover, and it's boss. Um, yes. But Phil Collins is, you know, I mean, as I said to you before, on those early Genesis records, you can hear the beard. Um, yes. You know, yeah. so when, he, when they, they moved, he moved into the solo phase... Um, up to a point, it was all another day in paradise, shite. It, like everything, it's 1989-90 where it all starts falling off a cliff. You know Buster. What I mean? When yes. he made Buster. When then. he made yeah. Buster. Bandles of right. Fivers. Yeah, yeah, when he made Buster. Yes, we didn't like... We didn't like Phil Collins. Uh, we needed him to stay in his lane, didn't we? Absolutely. Not on, yes. not on the screen. You're not no. an American, dear. No, not at all. <laughs> stay there and sing nice Supremes covers. So, oh, that's all right. Then I was wondering if there was a sort of an age, and I suddenly reached it. A bit like, you know, the age where, say, for example, uh, when you went down the stairs. Well, we'd still say <laughs> yeah. that you fell... Well, we'd still say that you fell over, yeah? Yeah. few years' time, we'll be saying, oh, you've had a fall. Yes. Now that's different, isn't it? Yes, so yes, I'm wondering yes. 
if there is a cut-off point where one starts liking Phil Collins and another one where all of a sudden I won't have just fallen over because I can't walk properly, well, but where I've had a right. fall. That's that the time when me. people start coming round on a Sunday with a week's worth of meals in Tupperware, are you saying? Now, I've left them in the fridge. All you have to do, I've wrote instructions on the box. You know what I mean? You, and you just sat there smearing yourself in your own shit. So those days... <laughs> <laughs> Those days are thankfully not here yet. I think there is a, a time, though. I think there mm. is. I think you're right here, and you're, you're right to sort of, uh, you know, ch- dig that Collins trench. Because Ooh. I think there comes a time, and this has happened to me in the last couple of years, this mid-40s, where you start to, uh, your, your appreciation of Genesis moves on beyond the mm. Gabriel years. Right. And and I blame Andy Delamere of the Wizards of Twiddly for this, actually, because he got me into, I think it was uh, The Wind and the Wuthering and, and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, okay. So now I can take Genesis up to about 1979, 80, which, which I, oh. I had previously had the 1974 when, you know, when civilization reached its zenith. I previously Absolutely. had that cut off with The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Right. When Gabriel oh, left. Oh, okay. Because if you think so- of what happened next with Gabriel doing Salisbury Hill, which is a wonderful track, and what Gabriel did. Four albums all called Peter Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> Not even one, two, three, and four. They're just all called Peter Gabriel. Wonderful. You know, so I love the hubris of that. And I also love the fact that his first project post-Genesis was to, um, w- with uh, the uh, buccaneer and gentleman adventurer that was Tony Stratton Smith, who run Charisma Le- uh, Records, which was the label that Genesis were on. Um, mm. The first project was to get Charlie Drake in, to record with Sandy Denny and Bob Fripp of King Crimson and Gabriel and Collins on drums and all of these people, the Charisma All-Stars, you're going to call them, record a single call, you never know, you know. And Charlie Drake, is it performs this composition, which would have been a Genesis song. There is, in fact, um, a, a demo on YouTube of Peter Gabriel doing it um, prior to Genesis splitting up. You never know. And... and um, Apparently, Charlie Drake turned up for the session in a, a full denim suit uh, and hat to match. And he was t- taking it very, very seriously as if this was going to be his big comeback. Because he'd oh. had a few hits, hadn't he, Charlie Drake? He had, yeah. But then, oh no, if you thought that was the comeback. So were they, they were more looking for the caricature, the worker, I suppose. Yeah, and that's what they got, really. I mean, it's a great thing. Go and look on YouTube for mm. You Never Know by Charlie Drake. And I will have um, a look. It's got some lovely, because Genesis, uh, Gabriel's uh, strength was, as uh, many other things, but his lyric writing is great, you know. Mm. You never know how the hippo drones, you never know how the honeycombs, you never know how the, oh, I can't think of that. Uh, you never know how the little lamb chops, and, and it's just lovely. Um, oh, and then... Um, Sandy Denny sings this line in it, and Charlie Drake goes, "Ow, oh, my first groupie! And then this uh, one of them, probably Collins or someone, goes, you'll be lucky. And then Char- Charlie Drake replies, you never know! <laughs> it's brilliant. It's such an oddity. But then Tony Stratton-Smith of Charisma was... Well, he he, he had Stanchel on, on his label, didn't he, doing Sir Henry? And know, he had uh, Monty Python records, didn't he? They were on right. uh, Charisma. Yeah, I'm amazed no one's done a documentary on him. It's a hell of a label, isn't it? When you think charisma, the of the, yeah, yeah, just stunning. And, yeah. and Salisbury Hill is a song that, to me, 
that's being driven through the Cotswolds, uh, either to do a murder mystery show, about 20, 25 years ago, either to do a murder mystery show or coming back from doing a murder mystery show with a banging hangover, having mine swept all the tables at whatever <laughs> corporate event it was, and just woof. Oh dear, I couldn't oh, do that now. We used to do but that. But it's that lovely, that lovely connection there. Salisbury Hill to me is that. You know, it's that. It's, it's perfect. Cut all over the country, just moving, just doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's such a oh. good song that. It's mm. just so good. You know, I mean, I don't know what any of this has got to do with Guy Fox, but hey, we're just <laughs> we're just shooting the shit, as the Americans say. As I'm sure Absolutely. you'll approve of that. Well, Shall I, shall I try and do a not very good segue into historical things to get us closer to it? Yes, I, I'll hold something up if it helps. Oh, okay. Go on. Oh, now that's nice. Oh, that's a very nice thing. I like that. Um, so, uh, f- oh, for those what not watching at home, uh, Mike just held up a Doctor Who book uh, about First the bonfire plot. Yes. yes, called first the plotters. Mention. First mention, but you went first with the look anyway. So, I did, I did. Anyway, listen, I found this, uh, and it's a tiny clipping from a newspaper. I'm, oh, God, I'm like him off That's Life, aren't I? Um, Cyril Fletcher. <laughs> Cyril Fletcher. Except with a, <laughs> he used to sit in that chair with that funny eye, didn't he? He's like he was sucking a sweet hello, kiddies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did. Oh, God, that's my future. Oh, God. Hey, right, that's so, not bad. It'd do, wouldn't it? He had a fair few books and everything. He did all right. But I, I aspire to this level of pettiness, right? Okay. This is uh, someone called William Chapman, and he felt such a level of pettiness in 1803 that he <laughs> had to attack a man called H.W. Luckett in a newspaper, right? This is brilliant. And the whole thing, and it's, it's like an advert in a Lonely Hearts column, but it just says, To the public, having received an insult... From H.W. Luckett, for which he refused to make the repara- uh, reparation demanded, I do declare him a coward, a braggadocio, and a fellow at whom the finger of contempt should always be pointed. Yours, oh William Chapman. That's it. He's, he's, he's decided he's got to actually put that in a newspaper just to say that Mr. Luckett's a bastard. There you go. I like that. Look, and that was a segue into historical stuff, but that is a lovely word, braggadocio. And I wasn't sure what that meant, and it means somebody who is an, an empty boaster or of an arrogant pretension. So he really didn't like him at all. Yes, yes. I've, uh. I've heard that. Do you know where I know that word from? Go I on. know that word from a looking annual as a kid, and it was across a two-page ah. feature on the Fonz. Oh, and, uh, braggadocio. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is, is it braggadocio or braggadocio? I don't know. I've only seen it written I down. I tell you. I've yes, only I seen it written you. down. Um, mm. So, But it's a great word, isn't it? Uh, is that from The Spectator again? Um, no, this is not. This is actually from uh, The Times. Oh, right. So where have you got this oh. one from? Oh, this was just something that I, I turned up whilst I was looking for bits. I've been reading up on The Spectator, just to give myself a bit of context about who these yes. men were. Fascinating couple of blokes doing it, but yeah. just, I mean, colossal perverts trying to moralise to the rest of the country, and that's what I like in a leader. Personally. Yes, yes. Uh, delighted at the moment that that's what we've got. Anyway, but that's eighteen oh three. Yes. Further back though, we go all got uh, all Guy Fawkesy. Now then, yes. This should be interesting because I imagine you hold a slightly different view historically. Yes. Than I do. Yes. Slightly. Yes. So, yes. how were you? T- 
well, how were you? How, how were you told that it was made very clear it? to us, right? That uh, the people down in London um, yeah. were, well, the the monarchy was mm. so outraged that uh, one of the Catholic peasantry should plot against them so much that we were still 400 years later parading effigies around the streets and burning them once a year in order to remind <laughs> us not to, well, to stay in our lane, effectively. Yes. Um, yes. So that's how it was presented to us. Um, yeah. But a far more, um, I think, where we, we'll have a, a common treasury here is the fact that every year that was, that was you know, it, we've said this last week, but Halloween was meh, whatever. Yeah. But... Yeah. Bonfire night was such oh, a big deal, yes. wasn't it? Our bomby neat, as we call it. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful thing. I mean, my experience of it was basically that there was a very bad man who tried to do a bad thing and they killed him. That's That yes. was my upbringing. Slightly different. But certainly, I mean, it's, it's the pre-Christmas uh, bit, isn't it? Yeah. That's what does it for me. Yeah, you've been... We're, just, we're on the cusp. Um, so I love that, but it's... Yeah, I, for me, it's also it was the first time that we ever tried to have um, fireworks at home. Uh, can you still buy them and just set them up? Yes, I'm certain you Good can. God. There's entire shops dedicated to them, aren't there? You know, yeah. I think you could only buy them in Dingsdale's where I grew up, the bike shop. I'm not certain about that, but I think yeah. they were sort of like I think they were. I don't think you could just buy them like now. If you go down to, I'm certain the super. I mean, well, you went to a supermarket today, dear. Uh, did they I have did. fireworks for sale? Well, I wasn't really looking. I was just no, don't uh, care. No, don't care at all. No, no, don't you're care. like me. You're a commando shopper. It's like absolutely. straight in, get out, S- stealth. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we we only had. F- I remember this very well. I, I suppose I remember. What's my first memory of Bomini? Okay, so going way back to when we were little kids. It's the advert where, you know, the kid picks up the spent sparkler and it's like, yeah, and it burns its hand on it. So sparklers right. are my original association with Bommy Night, you know. Yes. Um, and and is there an association sparkler. with fear there because of that advert? Because that advert was genuinely I think quite I, terrifying. I think I did it and that's why it reminds me. I've got a memory of looking at my fingers and there being like white lines across them. Not the Grandmaster Melly Mel track. The, I remember having white lines across them where I picked up something hot. And so I think that Dickhead was just, even even though I'd seen it on the telly, I was like, is that right? Let's see. <laughs> you know, let's pick up this thing. Yeah, no, fair enough. I remember, I thought someone had done it. Thought they yeah. had. Um because we went over to our neighbours um, one year. I think we used to share a bit like New Year's Eve. One year yes. it'll be at theirs, one year at ours. And so this uh, bonfire night, we were over at theirs. And the eldest son was running around outside. And they had a dog and all this sort of stuff. And, and trying to keep the dog in was a nightmare. Anyway, all of a sudden, whilst we've got sparklers and we've all been trying to write our names with the sparklers, suddenly yeah. Neil gives out this scream. That's all I can call it. It was a scream. And I thought, oh, shit. And everyone straight away, the assumption, because of that advert, the I, assumption is he's burnt himself on that. Turned out he was barefoot and he'd just trodden in dog shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but that's a very clear memory I have now of him hopping towards the oh, house. 
I don't oh. blame him. I remember once my mum used to put the old bowl <laughs> on my head to cut my hair. Right. Oh yes. Uh, and so that was happening one Sunday, I think it was, or something like that. It was a dark night anyway, so it must have been a winter. Probably a Sunday before mm. school. And she nicked my ear with it. Right. Oh. And, and with the scissors, she used to have these long scissors. Uh, her uh, cutting ones scissors, had like a little yeah. curl that went round your thumb or something on them as well. Mm. They were both round, weren't they? The handles. Anyway, she like sninked my ear, and I remember her thinking it hilarious. And I was like, <laughs> I, I had a look at my hand, and there was blood on it. So as you do, I ran down the yard like that. Like, like a big girl, you know. Um, so I ran right down the yard, and I remember seeing in the in the sort of moonlight as I trod in this Yorkshire Terrier shit, um, it, it's squidging up between me toes, and it's oh. just like that. Oh no! So I've got a cut here and a, and a foot full of shit. So it was just oh. like no. I, I can't imagine that was met with. I think that that ended up with a doctor shawl around the head. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, however, in dog shit, yeah, yeah. However, do you know what you've picked up on a little historical thing there, dear, to do with old guy folks? Because of course, when they were trying to work out who was responsible, who was yes. who tried to do that, the number of people that they went to is is quite remarkable. And that included me- uh, members of Shakespeare's family, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Many of them were clipped whilst they were in jail, which is where they just get the shears and they fl- they cut off the top well, of the ear well. and they cut off the very tip of the nose to make oh. them flat so you stand out. That, that happened to them. So Well, that's an incredible coincidence, isn't it? It um, is, it is. But I don't think any of them it, were Catesby made to stand the, in shit. Was it Catesby, the family, there were a lot of involved in it? I can't that's right, yeah. Yes. The, uh, Catesby. And I think... I think the fascinating thing for me is that it went so far within sort of theatre land that basically that's why Shakespeare, I think, felt compelled to then write Macbeth to flatter uh, King James and right. basically say, oh, but you're, you're great, really. We really like you. Because, yeah. of course, Shakespeare, Catholic family. Yes. So, you know, but then he writes Macbeth, which is the biggest load of arse-kissing ever, um, you know, portraying... Banquo, because I think Banquo was a distant relation of King James. Right. So that's why the character's presented as sort of this amazing, good and noble being. Whereas, in fact, he was a right shit, it turns out. And Macbeth yeah. was rather a nice person. So, but there we are. But that's, Tangent. again, it's this, this saying, isn't it, about sort of everything, every piece of art exists in three times. The time mm. it's set, the time it's written, and the time it's performed. Absolutely. You know? And um, unfortunately... Oh, but of course now... Oh, sorry, go on. Not quite... Well, now, of course, what we also do is we've got that fourth time, that sort of that, that looking back and judging through a through. A yes, you mean applying prism. the sort of the, the, the morals of today to the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing, which I think, I we, think we have got that. I think a new thing, bit. though, is it? I think that, you know, I mean, I, I know this sounds dramatic, but I think that when uh, the Taliban blew up the Buddhas... The, the Banyan Buddhas. It's a similar yeah. thing, wasn't it? It's kind of like they're applying the 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 doct, doct dogma and doctrine. Um, mm. They're applying that to a religion that existed thousands of years before their own, and so it's a heresy. It's mm. like that year zero mentality, isn't it? But now we seem to be doing that with popular culture as well, and sort yeah. of looking back and saying, oh, certain things about certain shows or characters and stuff, and judging them with our modern eyes, if you like. Well, we do. The, you know, we, fearful eyes. This and always I, I happens. Just, Cultural revolution time is the same that happened in China in mm. the 60s. 
You know, well, mm. I'm, I'm not certain that they went after Leonard Rossiter during the Chinese Cultural Revolution, but um, it's they that year done... zero. It's that year yeah. zero thing. It's this anything which doesn't conform to our idealised, um, orthodox view of the world must be destroyed. We must change place uh, uh, street names. We must tear down statues. We must burn books. We must destroy um, any visual record of a time that doesn't conform to our aesthetic. And that's, I don't think, new. I mean, they were burning Catholics back then. They were, you know, you, you've just described, I suppose, their own version of making the past conform to their present um, worldview. I know oh, that God. we always think that it's never been as bad as it is now. And I'm sure that because we're so connected now in this digital age, mm. um, it's much more effective. They've got more effective tools. But it's it's pure 1984. It's the memory hole. It's uh, the Ministry of Information. But it doesn't seem to be a continuous thing, particularly, because it, it, this seems to be something that comes in waves, doesn't it? Every, yeah. every now and again. So it's not this continuous thing that we do. It's, it's a no. very odd thing, in fact, that we do, where just every well, so often we'll judge everything that's come before as, yeah. well, as being worthless in some way, or, or worse... Is when you get the sort of the the oh the, the, they act like braggadocios or however else we say it. Yeah. you know that that empty boasting we're so much more advanced than you are ha ha we must change what you were trying to do of course that sort of thing and it's it strikes me as just no just... well human beings have this fallibility in that they think that whatever is new right because there's nothing mm. new anyway but whatever is new is better you know and I refer you back to the speech. Um, in Survivors that he gives where we think we're so much more advanced than Stone Age Man but mm. if the balloon went up and, and civilization did end um, we would be in a position whereby Stone Age Man would be a hell of a lot more adapted to survive than us, do you know what yes. I mean? Because as yeah. soon as like, you know uh, what's he say, what happens when the last axe handle breaks what happens when, you know we'd mm. be screwed, I, I you know for my own part, I could make maybe a rudimentary candle, um, <laughs> or whatever it is he says. But that's the that's the fallibility of humanity. We always mm. think, and in many ways, the the uh, gunpowder plot was again people enforcing their worldview onto other people. Because mm. the trouble is that if your argument, if you need to silence your enemy for a kickoff, right? Which yeah. is is sort of what you're talking about as well, isn't it with the with the cancel culture and stuff like that. If you mm. need to silence people who hold a different opinion to yourself, then your argument can't be that good. You mm. know. Now, that's just the way that yeah, I I don't know if it is waves. I think that yeah, I, th I think we're definitely in uh, what the uh, I can't think of the American author calls calls the fourth turning. You know, th these these massive um, cultural moments. shifts yeah, yeah yeah we definitely are but what you've mm. got at the minute is you've got sort of government and corporations and the media all working in lockstep haven't you and they're all sort of seemingly pushing the same narrative like these idiots in their orange fucking you know I'm bringing them up again because they piss me right off but these idiots what are they fucking we're a, we're a blanket Britain or what are they called again Insulate oh, Britain. Insulate. Yes. Wear a blanket, yeah. Britain. You'll be all right. Um, <laughs> put the electric blanket on, lads. Um, these shitheads, you know, who are primarily either very well-to-do retired people, 
right, who've got pensions that are beyond your wildest dreams, right, are the children of rich people, are, you know, uh, skiving bastards who who should know better, right, who Uh are just sitting off on motorways and they're targeting the completely bottom end of the the bottom end of society, people just going about their lives, right? Okay, Mm. now, that to me, there's only one way that's going to end. And that's why you see the police stood off to the side, right, mm. and allowing them to do it. Because their intention, right, it's that problem-reaction-solution thing again with politicians. Their intention is to piss off the public and create um, conflict, effectively. So what they do is they see how police at different types of protests go in mob-handed and then they stand to one side, you know, and let these people effectively stop you and me, going about our daily business, right? Uh-huh. This creates a lovely division within society, right? It's annoyed me, so fuck knows what it would do if I was sat on the A40 in the morning, you know, mm, trying to get yeah. to work or trying to get my kids to school or something like that. So there's so many elements in there, but their ambition is in lockstep with the governments. You've got Johnson who keeps getting up and talking about green policies and, and uh, what's this other stuff, the heaters he's trying to get rid of boilers and bring in. Oh yes, water, no, water heaters or something. Thermal heat, heat pumps or something like that. So yeah. they want the same as the government wants, right? Which is why they're being allowed to do this. So it's again, it's problem, reaction, solution. So the government can go, "We've heard you," and they'll introduce the solution that they wanted all along. And mm. that's that's kind of the thing, really. But um, it's already escalated, hasn't it? There's been people chucking ink on them this week. There's been people driving over, well, driving at them. Um, mm. And then hu- people are having to drag them from the roads because the police are just not doing their jobs. If You know, obstructing the public highway is a proper crime, you know? Yeah. And if that were it's me a- or you, lay their shit-faced. Oh, yes. Well, get very short shrift by the magistrate, dear. I would imagine so, yes, yes. yeah. It's a bugger, isn't it, that one? Because you can look at people like that and you can go, no, I completely get it and I get, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But don't do not do that when I'm trying to go to work because I go can't Go bloody handcuff anything. yourself to a Boris Johnson's car. Go and handcuff yes. yourself to a ministerial... You know, they've got enough bloody diesel-guzzling cars themselves, the, the politicians, right? Mm. Go and target them. Go and take oh, yes. it there. It's like these people who do all these marches, you know, for this, that and the other. They never target... Uh, the people they should be targeting, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, no. And these are the same, and and so I believe it a coordinated attempt to sow division. To be quite honest with you, when you dig behind these groups, they're never grassroots. They're always astroturf, aren't they? There'll mm-hmm. be big money behind it. You can guarantee. You can guarantee. You see the minibuses taking them there, and they're getting off, and this, that, and the other. But again, it, it, it's it's a time of ideological, you know, conflict. And that mm. is where we are now, you know. I know it's boring, dear, when there's people yeah, like you and me who just want to sit in the house farting. Well, yes, I, I'm quite happy, actually. Yeah, just let me do that. That's yes. all I want to do. No, I can't no, be bothered no, with any no. of this. No, no, oh, no, no, no. One master, no, no. You'll be, uh, it'll be like uh, Black Mirror and you'll have to use a little exercise bike to power the telly soon. You oh, well, I mean? that's okay. I'll go with that. I did a march once. I've done uh, my bit. What was that for, dear? I was very drunk. Um, so you sort London. of walked from pub to pub with some no, scruffy people uh, holding. No, I, I was I was on a march in London holding a, a placard, 
But, um, oh, I've, I'll never see it, but um, MTV were there live, sort of covering it. And I got asked for a statement. And I was with my mate Zoe, as I recall. But, um, yeah, we'd just, uh, we'd just got a bottle of scotch. So we were just handing that between us on the whole sort of uh, journey. So MTV came over and asked a question. And I don't know what noise came out of my mouth, but it was just sort of like, just a guttural gargle. More scotch! Bit like that, yeah. <laughs> and they just moved on. So, and I can't remember getting home. Oh, but I've deceased, or I've done my bit, I like to think. Yes, yes. Well, the, I you can retire. Content. I can. Content. 1995, I did my march. There you go. You've you held want? power to account. I have. Very, very well, it, Depending on where the march was, it may have been the one, uh, one I remember in 1995 was the Anti-Criminal Justice Bill March in London. I was on that. Right, was that the... Hang on, well, the, right to, the right to vote picket or party? Something like that? It or? was uh, no more than 12 people can gather together and repetitive beats. That's there the you one. Go. You were on the same That's one the as one me. I was on. There we are. Yeah, there I'm, you are. Very drunk. Did I ask you for a lift back? I can't Ooh, remember. I don't know, dear. I was. I remember that one of the things we did was. I remember waking <laughs> up in the morning. We were walking down one. I don't know. They all look same to me. The high streets in London. I couldn't tell you which one it was. No. Uh, walking down the high street in London, smoking this enormous spliff, um, and my mate with with me. It's just like. Uh, uh, you give people because we all had dreadlocks and whatnot, and it's like you give people like us a bad name doing that. Put it out, and I was like, oh, "Fuck off, dear!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just like absolutely not. You know, I mean, I mean, now you walk around and everyone smokes weed, but the sort of the, the caveat mm. that people who used to smoke weed who don't anymore always always throw about is, "Oh, of course it wasn't as strong when I smoked it." It's like bullshit. <laughs> Shut up. You know what I mean? I'm not like those. people people yes yes you were you were exactly <laughs> like those people yes um, anyway to, to sort of yeah. drag us kicking and screaming back to guy Fawkes to uh, pronounce it as kenneth connor does in uh, carry on henry Fawkes. Yes. they shoe on it in don't they isn't bill maynard yes. uh, it must be an ancestor of guy Fawkes because it's set during henry the eighth time it is yeah i don't know if he is though so there we go. The the whoopee every oh. year used to give out this Guy Fox mask. It's terrible, terrible Guy Fox mask. Uh, this is the whoopee from the fifth uh, of November, nineteen eighty three. Perfect. So is that the actual mask on the front? No, I'll show you the right. mask now. So what okay, you had to do with the mask was you had to cut it out of the middle of the comic, stick right. it to some cardboard, put little yeah. holes in each side, affix some elastic, and there's your mask. Simple, you know, as you can imagine. <laughs> no problem. There's the mask. There's the mask. Do oh you see God. the eye holes and the gob? Yeah. And uh, there at the bottom, in case you were wondering who it is, it says it's Guy Fox. Um, and uh, instructions. First, o open out the staples. Remove the mask from the comic and close the staples again. Find some suitable card and paste the mask to it. Carefully cut around the mask and the two side flaps. Ooh, uh. Also, cut out the sections for the eyes and mouth were indicated. This is so simple for a six-year-old. Make holes in the side flaps. Ooh, uh, <laughs> uh, were marked and thread a length of elastic or string through them. Then yeah, thread a length, dear. Tie the Sorry, ends. Got... Your guy <laughs> fox mask is now ready for use. No shit. No shit. There you go. Um, dear God, I, I take it you didn't bother. 
I think I well, I think mother did one year. I don't think I did. Right. You know, okay. um, I think it was one of those things. It's like, do that for me, mummy, or otherwise I'll run away and leave you, and then you'll be sad, you old bitch. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So I, I think it was one of those things that uh, Timmy Spoilt Bastard used to do. Um, mm. She did it one year, but um, the Guy Fawkes mask since V for Vendetta has been mm. become quite a lucrative sideline for Warner Brothers because, of course, Alan Moore want, wanted nothing to do with that movie, did he, once it was released? Yeah. So he, he doesn't get a cut of, of the uh, mask money. That's all Warner's. Blimey. It's amazing because it's such a good film, that. I've, well, I wouldn't know, obviously, because it's a not, film oh, and Americans. Uh, oh, yes. Well, um, gosh, I nearly... I nearly lost my whoopee mask on our uh, nice things bonfire just then because I, I had it leaning oh, on the candle. That would oh, have been good, not, wouldn't it? That'd have been good oh, that would have been good. But oh well, let's, uh, talking of which, of course, the, remember, remember the fifth of November. Gunfire also, the, remember the, but remember the fourth of November, forty years ago, yesterday. I think the fourth of November. Um, Crossroads Motel burnt down, Mike. Really? Was that a sort of bonfire night linked incident? No. It was, yes. It turned out to be, uh, there were all sorts of things that they set up that it might have been, all these storylines that uh, they they even had. And this is very strange, but in the episode, they have three young thugs, and you can tell they're thugs because (laughs) they're they're not speaking. Obviously, that costs more to pay. So they're wearing denim. They, They look a bit punky. Right. And they sort of walk in and stand looking nervous next to the notice board whilst Adam chances on the phone looking around a bit. And then he goes, well, I'll be with you in a moment. And then they walk out. Now, straight away, of course, you think, oh, right, bad pe- bad youths. No, turns out it was just a, quote, stray firework when they eventually mentioned it. Yeah, it's always a stray firework, isn't it? Yes, they it's forgot so about it. It's so funny how that, but that, was, that was such a big... Event wasn't it? Did they? Mm. Did you say they filmed various endings and and? Well, I mean, yeah, it was it was a big event because I think it was the first time that ITV was allowed on in our living room at tea time ever. Wow, absolutely. Um, so, and I think it would have been my granddad who in, who insisted because he got the TV Times, hmm. which we didn't talk about. He took the TV Times. And he said, oh, it's just so I can read the Radio Times at yours. I think he preferred it. He watched TV AM as well, so. Ah, so he's a quizzling. Uh, bit of a quizzling there, James, yeah. Bosom. Um, viper in my bosom. That's it, yes. Um, but anyway, so we watched it, and I remember it being quite an event, and because I hadn't seen anything, well, anything on ITV before, and certainly therefore no soap opera, because, of course, the BBC didn't have a soap uh, in 1981. So... To actually see what a soap opera was and people doing melodramatic acting, which to me at the age of six just seemed very realistic. And then suddenly a building goes on fire. That, for me, cemented the idea that at any point on November the 5th, anybody's house could burn down. And did leave me with a slight fear, I have to say. Right. So, yeah. Right. Well, we, I don't know about you, but I mean, November, well, bonfire night started for us in in the coming weeks. We'd be going round sort of trying to get any scrap of wood out of people's gardens that they didn't want. Mm. Oh, do you want this? Do you want that? And so you'd, you'd, you couldn't keep it at home, otherwise you'd have got bollocks. So we used mm. to find somewhere in the woods in a clearing or something like that uh, where we could stash it on and hide mm. it. And then what would go on over the weeks leading up is you'd steal each other's wood piles. You know, because oh. everyone would want their own, every little gang would want their own bommy. 
So there were were a lot of people... I think I might have told you this story before, did I? Where there was a lad whose grandma lived next door to us um, and they cut down an old oak tree because it overhung the property, which my granddad had planted. um, And I was so incensed and pissed off about this. And I knew that he'd taken away the wood they'd cut down, the tree they'd cut down, and put it over the road from his house, you know, to burn on bonfire night. And so I found out, I don't know who told me, you know, the the (laughs) snitch network when you're a child. And so about... I think for for added effect, it was the night before bonfire night. Another November fourth, I went there, dragged it all out onto the field opposite his house, and sat and burned it all. Whilst he watched me through his front window, you know what I mean? So it was like that. Fuck you, absolutely. So so it's like do not because I was sort of so, and I'm still convinced of it. By the way, that when you chop trees down, little elemental creatures come out. You see, so so obviously that's true. The science is settled. (laughs) I think you'll find. I think you'll right. find on that one that if you wood, cut down these an old wood oak sprites, tree, wood sprites generally, wood yes, sprites. yes, yes, and elementals such as the one that bothers Ian Carmichael in uh, what's that Amicus film where he's got it on his shoulder and his shoulders right down. There's that crazy uh, old girl in it. He goes to see Madame yeah. Whoever. Um, I think it might be um, Doctor Terrors or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter, does it? It's one okay. of those films. Um, so yeah, I was convinced of that. So I thought that in order to appease the great woodland gods, that yeah. I I needed to go and burn this wood. Obviously, um, obviously. I mean, that's, well, that's fair enough. There's there's a Absolutely. certain sort of um, judge, justice there. justice involved. Justice, there, yes, that's what so there is. Yeah, I, I'm taking it. You weren't one of those boys that went around foraging for wood. And did you did you have a cart that you pushed? Did you make a guy and go begging for money at doors? I, I I did a, a guy a couple of years on the trot, I think, but uh, it wasn't very convincing. So I think I tried to make the entire thing from stuffing a pair of my mum's tights. I was just going to say, with, that's what I did. Yeah. With newspaper. Absolutely. But then for the top half, didn't have a clue for the top half. So I think I stuffed uh, an old shirt with hay that we bought for the guinea pig and just <laughs> stuck that on it. And then... I don't even know if it had a head. I think I just stuck a hat on it, and that was it. I had it. a football. And I had a football with a face drawn on it for a head. Right, okay. And how did you do? In terms I of did very finances? well one night. Until I remember we got back to uh, Arrowsmith Road, um, and there was, a th- there was a thing at the top of the... called the forms, which were like little... Um, corners of the road that had grass on them some people used to call them laylands i don't know what that means anyway and it had a little path across it and everyone used to congregate there were a couple of benches like a tiny right. park and i mean tiny yeah. like the footprint of a house and i was going across there just going on with like my fist was full of five p's and ten p's um and and for some reason i bumped into nicola costello and something happened and i ended up kicking high in the air showing off and and my hand opened and the five P's and ten P's went everywhere. And of course, oh. all the other kids are like that. Woomph! And, and they were gone. Totally oh, gone. Yes, they wouldn't be. So I went oh, home no. and told mother who smacked me around the head with a Dr. Charlin. I just went to bed. Um, oh, God. But I remember we had an old bin. Do you remember having those... Um, I suppose they were with a steel or iron or tin or whatever they were. Oh, those pro- yeah, proper bins. Proper old bins, yeah. Yeah, and the, the handles on for them. That's yeah. the fella. And the bottom of it was neat. You think about it, that bin. Here, listen to this. Put on a blanket, Britain, or whatever you call it. We used to have a bin, one bin, that was probably about a third of the size of a wheelie bin. And it it didn't, it got maybe full over the week, didn't it? 
you didn't. Yeah, but that pro- was it. You didn't produce a ton of plastic and all the other shit that we have on no. our food now. God no. Um, no, I mean we we'd put the bin out. What well, my dad would put the bin out once a week, and that was it. Exactly. What, whereas I seem to put the bin out a, a four times a week at the moment. Yeah, it's, yeah, just bin bags, bin bags, bin bags. It's amazing, isn't it? Is yeah. it? And and, the, and I produce a lot more recycling than I do normal rubbish, yeah, which that's I've the always alcohol, found. Dear. Probably that's the wine bottles, isn't it? But no, um, um, I do remember, as well as doing the whole sort of like, doing the Guy Fawkes thing, and I think something like 60p, which seemed like a decent sort of amount. Uh, Because remember, you could get chips. Thick end of a quid, dear. Absolutely. I could get chips and a drink from uh, from the local chippy for that. But I then remember, I think my earliest bonfire night memory is sort of the first house that we lived in, which had the... Uh, the the waste ground at the bottom. It became a garage eventually, but it was just bomb damage from World War Two that had just been left. Right. And there was a sort of a crater, and every year, that's where the bonfire will be put. Wonderful. No, no consideration for health and safety. There was yeah. nothing organised about this. Yeah, yeah. People would just come along, and the big men, like my dad, yeah. they would basically. I think my dad would always bring a bit of petrol and just give that a bit of a shake <laughs> over the top. Being the engineer, go on, Keith, what do you reckon? Petrol, <laughs> off it goes. Yeah. So I remember that. But then after that, it was... Um, I remember the disappointment of organised firework displays. Oh, Because yeah. there was none of the danger. There was none of my dad no throwing danger, no. petrol at a naked flame. No. There was none of... I remember um, someone once showed me... I must have been about 11... Um, there were some lads, um, and they offered me a go, and they'd made a kind of a rocket launcher for fireworks, mm. and they were just shooting them across the field. Oh, ah, yeah, we used to do just that. Just at whoever. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely Hoover wonderful. tube they... we used to do. Oh. We had one that was a Hoover tube, and I remember getting Tipex, and you know mm. the um, the sort of little tightney rings on Hoover tubes and that? There was this oh. one, it had little grooves all the way down, so with Tipex, I highlighted them. And then ah, right. I cut a chunk out of this uh, Hoover tube and got the handle off a hacksaw and put mm-hmm. the handle off the hacksaw in, then put the sort of ring in to hold it in. So this thing had a little handle and you could hold it like a gun, you know, it was brill. And we That's used to fire rockets everywhere, yeah. <laughs> and also empty them out and light it, whomf! Um, oh. But yeah, I mean, I remember the bin. I remember my mum doing a fire in that one year and burning the bottom out of it. And that was mm. the only year we got any fireworks, but I was next door but one at Andrew Warwick's because they had better fireworks I always feel kind of guilty about that anyway um, you know you shouldn't buy shit fireworks mum (laughs) Andrew Warwick's has got far better Um, but yeah it was it was exciting do you remember like about 10 11 o'clock at night or whatever the thick fog the smoke everywhere I mean I don't know if it's still like that now well, it's not now, is it? Because it's all, it is all organised displays. Yeah, we're moment, a blanket Britain and moan about it. Well, we? well, we've got um, a thing now happening, happening in the village here, Michael, which I'm most unhappy about, which is there's always um, a massive sort of fireworks display down at the, at the front. And it's been cancelled this year because they haven't got a new, a brand new particular licence that apparently has come out during COVID. Bastards. So it's had to be cancelled for, I think, the first time since the end of World War Two. You so. need Keith down there with the petrol. I mean, Absolutely. we used to chuck old sofas on, full old oh. sofas, all the foam, everything. Oomph! Well, you didn't have anyone who'd come round and take away your big bits of furniture, so it was the perfect no. time to do it. I, I remember a telly being thrown on one year that exploded. 
Yes! To cheers oh. from the children. Oh, God, we absolutely all were. And I just remember, just before it went, my dad muttered something. He was stood next to me and he went, those capacitors are going to get hot. <laughs> wow! Just wonderful. A proper explosion. Oh, I can just one- imagine the kids cheering. Oh, we did. And I'm afraid that anything that we got at Sefton Park after that being oh, organised no, no, by no. the council, no. 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 Get, me, get me dad on to blow the telly up. Blowing telly? So that's like, that is like something off the telly then. Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And nobody got injured, probably. Probably not. Probably you know, who obviously knows? Did. There was the boy who died, but, you know, <laughs> he knew it was all good fun. There was always one. Always yes, one. Always one who has to go and die and try and spoil everything. Well, they mm. won't spoil it for me. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So, <laughs> no, but I, yes, bonfire night to me, that's, that's, that is a lovely one, a lovely time of year because of the whole, it's the pre-Christmas, isn't it? So you it know is. as soon as you up. get there, it's like, oh, here we go, we're off. Yes, you are, and, you are And off. you get and nine the weeks of misdemeanors. Mm. Is, it all, is that all it is now? Well, yes, it is, isn't it? It's, oh, nine weeks from bombing. And I, I'm going. I'm going up to sort of New Year's Eve there. So it's is it eight? I thought weeks, you'd be going seven. to Burns Night, dear. Oh, hang on a moment. Let me have a look. Is that, that January think... the twenty fifth? The Scots don't fuck about, do they? Oh no! Uh, Christmas is so over when I see it's over. Four, five. Hang on. Five. Oh. It's, it's not worth it. Six, seven, seven weeks. Seven weeks Christmas from Bommy Night and it's Christmas Eve. Holy Which means shit. next week, of course, we have to begin the, uh, the Box, Box of Delights. Box of Delights, indeed. It's come around quickly already. It certainly has. This year's gone nowhere. Did, did you mm. used to get the old biscuit tin for the fireworks? Did you bother with that? Oh, we had a biscuit tin, absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, you had to do that, I think didn't you? Leslie Judd had said you had to do it on Blue Peter. So. Yeah, I remember someone on the telly being like really arsed, and it was like, you've yeah. got to put them in a biscuit tin. Yeah, Rover's Biscuit Tin, as I recall. Uh, red, a red one. Yes, that's what it was. Well, then boring pink wafers in. Oh, did you like a pink wafer, dear? I loved a pink wafer. Oh, I thought so. I genuinely <laughs> loved a pink Because you Protestant could... Well, what biscuits. I, no, but what I found was you could keep your teeth together and then sort of push it in like that, and it would just disintegrate on your teeth, which I thought at the time was great. thing I just was rotting my teeth out. <laughs> Massaging yes. pink sugar into the gums. Ooh! But, uh, <laughs> well, what? <laughs> <laughs> Very festive, dear. Um, so what, what's, a good, what's a good Catholic biscuit, then? A good a Catholic biscuit is Garibaldi or something, dear, yes. I suppose I suppose anything cheap. Right. Um, a Hills bourbon would no doubt fit the bill. I used to uh, like custard okay. creams in tea because of the diamond in the middle of the biscuit. So mm. for someone who's a weirdo like me, you could dip it, the tea line, up to the edge of the diamond, eat that, turn it round, and then you'd end up with a little diamond of custard cream, you see. Oh right! <laughs> so, and then you'd okay. sort of you'd pop that one in, dear. Um, you drop it in the tea or to dissolve? Or... No, no, you you just scoff the that would be... as it was. Right, that'd be like something off the royal family. To, to dip. What was the rubbish bit? There was some rubbish lemon puffs. You can't dunk a lemon puff. They're boring. You can't dunk them. No, no they're well, covered you couldn't in have dunked the... those wafers. They couldn't have been dunked. No, they they would just disintegrate. Yeah. Um, um, no, jammy dodgy. Um, you can't really dunk. You wouldn't want. I don't think the flavours would work, would they? No. Tea and jammy no, dodger. You can't. You can't. I think it's got to be tea and either a digestive, uh, or 
Or chocolate digestive. Thought I heard. Oh, oh a chocolate one. Okay. I do like a chocolate digestive. So. Yes, yes. I, I <laughs> yes. think that I think I think that a biscuit with with the middle and cr- a cream layer is is a good Catholic biscuit. And with jammy dodgers, the jam represents the blood of our Lord, who died. <laughs> <laughs> it's even got a heart on it, you know. It has. Um, oh, no, it yeah. has. It's it's the Sacred Heart biscuit, dear. So so was it? I mean, because we used to have things at school for bonfire night. Did you have have those or no? I remember no. hearing Protestants right. speak of things like parking. Now, yes. what we used to do was, I've just remembered, you've just remembered, what my nan used to do was to get a tin of treacle, pour it mm. on a baking tray and smooth it all out and just bake treacle in the oven. And it was, and she'd refer to that as treacle toffee, but it was foul. It was <laughs> absolutely foul. Right. Give me the parking okay. any day. Um, yeah. And apparently no. there were things like, sorry, go on. No, but nothing at school, though, or anything like that. Was no, it not I covered? Think, I think that we were. It was kind of. We were quite utilitarian, weren't we, in the seventies? We were sort of. We were more or less a communist state with a queen yeah. in the seventies, mm. and I think that sort of you got your school dinner, and that yeah. was it. You knew what you were getting every week. There was no, you know, in the eighties when I went to high school, we there were hot dogs and things that were unheard of. You know, yeah. we'd have things like you'd get salad with half a boiled egg and a, a strip of cold ham. That was one mm. meal that you got in school. You got a really sugary biscuit with like a yogurt for a pudding. I don't know if you ever had that one. That was really nice. I don't think so, no. Um, and you'd get, yeah, I mean, so it was quite, I don't remember anything special apart from that treacle toffee, which was like, it would pull your fillings out, that stuff. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, um, I think that we had what you lot call scouse. And the Lancastrians, like me, call lobbies, which is both words are from the derivative of the Norwegian labskouse, which is where the meal uh, comes from. Um, yeah. I think we had that. I think we'd have, like, you know, hot pot or lobbies or something like that, maybe. I think, yeah. I can't remember anything food-wise in particular. I never had school dinners, though. Never once. Oh, of so. course not, dear. No, you no, went no, home no. for filet mignon, no doubt. <laughs> I liked Kedgeri, we- mother. We- went home for the, for the Sullivans. Uh, quite some deviled years, kidneys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> no, pat lunches. Just sweaty sandwiches, I remember. I, I used to want hot dinners. I, was like, no. well, I got a free dinner. You see, ah, so right. I was marked out, wasn't ah. I? Because I had to produce my moth-eaten piece of cardboard that that said, "These people have no money." Um, <laughs> so I had that. Um, so I always had a, a school dinner. Yes, mm. yes, I did. Yeah, but in terms of other stuff, I mean, I remember we used to make a Guy Fawkes. Oh God, think it! I've not thought about this for years, and I'm wondering if this is wrong now. We used to make a Guy Fawkes. Um, and each year group would do a different part of his body. Right. So you might be asked to do a head or an arm or a torso or a leg or something like that. And then the group who hadn't been given a body part would design the massive cauldron of fire. And then he'd be stuck in the school hall, right in the centre of the stage, this, which we'd all contributed to, of a man being burned to death. Were the flames done with, like, orange cellophane or something like that? You're bringing a memory up here. Yes, they were, yeah. Well, they were a combination. Some were cardboard, and then you got yeah. the, the, the plasticky sort of substance. Yeah, the, yes. B- like the stuff around a LucasAid bottle. 
That's it, yeah. And we'd but we'd make a giant man being murdered, and yes. then we'd all sit there and, and laugh at it. I think I we did as well. Yeah, I think we did as well. I suppose that it's sort of it's melded to my memory of kissing the burnt hand of Saint Edmund Arrowsmith. That one because it, he he obviously you know as the flames licked higher. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So um, it's funny, isn't it? Because we always we've we've got that real sort of history in this country. Of like, uh, if you can't argue with a Burnham, yes, we've always yeah. had that, haven't we? King John yes. starts that for us, doesn't he? With yes. the, uh, I don't like you, go away, or yes. I'll kill you. Yes, I'll burn you. Yes, so yes. we've do- we've done that quite a lot. Yeah, we certainly have, and I, I, isn't there a, a festival down south where I don't know if they still do it? Where, where the villagers all made effigies and they often burned Trumps and Borises and yeah, and the ah. Oh, Yes, there is. Now then, Annie, if I can remember where that is, because two friends of mine used to live in that village. Right. Um, and, and they are quite... They're lovely, gentle people and very rather left-wing uh, in, in everything. Um, and they felt that they had to leave the village because one, cause a few years ago, the winning effigy of that year was a massive Jimmy Savile. Um, Ooh, right. No, that's enough. No, we're going. Right. And Yes, and they went. Um do you yeah, know there's, there there's, somewhere. there's a there's a pub and I don't I will look this up on the internet actually. There's a pub out somewhere like Antrobus or something in Cheshire, something mm. like that. And I I know up till a few years ago they were doing this because I used to go every year, and they do a play on uh, Bonfire Night in the courtyard of the pub. It's a really mm. old coaching in, and they do this traditional play that they've done every year for oh, hundreds wow. of years. Like and that was pretty good because it's not actors; it's just people who go to the pub mm. you know oh, i'd like to see that yeah that was that was interesting that because it was very much a case of you know it's something that's kind of like full of you know an archetype kind of comedy delate kind of thing yeah well i mean you're going right back aren't you then with acting to when we were basically living in a feudal society and there were you know actors if they turned up were there to be scorned and you could uh, legally it was your duty to throw stones at actors until they left your village Right. You didn't want them there. Um, so all the the plays which will be done, you'd get your passion plays for Easter, yes. you'd get the nativity and so on. But they were all performed by the ordinary, everyday people. You know, we're in the dark ages here, yes. aren't we? But performed by ordinary people. Um, so may, it sounds like a sort of a hangover from that. I wonder yeah, how it was old. definitely that kind of thing. It's hundreds of years that's old. Wonderful. Yeah, that that's I, I must look that it's if it's still going on. Well, I mean, in the old days when they used to have the day when when the villagers did this, that was the origins of blacking up, wasn't it? So that you could mm. go up to your boss or the lord of the manor and smack him in the face in character, but because mm. you were sort of your features were obscured by this black paint, he wouldn't know it was you, or at least that was the idea. No, absolutely. Although, of course, then you're. You're not too far away in, in time, I suppose, from when if you were to go out with soot on your face on a Sunday, then it was a capital offence. Bloody um, hell. Because it meant you had been working on a Sunday and you were proving right. it with a sooty face on the Lord's Day. And yeah, I mean, usually people weren't, but some people were. Actually, the, the execution happened for having a sooty face. Well, one thing you were saying after we spoke about Halloween last week, which I think mm. is well worth bringing up now, is you were wondering if... The sort of the lack of the uh, ubiquity of Halloween when we were younger, and indeed prior to that, was the influence of the church. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I wonder if it was that. Yeah. Um, 
that whole, I mean, I, I, I really was, uh, you know, brought up with this genuine fear, you know, of, of Satan and the occult and witches and anything and like upsetting that. And the, the, the dead and stuff. Oh, and, oh yes, we were absolutely. I mean, sort of, uh, if my mother knew about Most Haunted, oh, yeah, she'd be on the phone. Um, yeah. But uh, the, certainly I, I remember being inculcated into this idea that it's all real, that witches are real, and, yeah. and all of this scurry indoctrination stuff, whereas Guy Fawkes Night was a celebratory thing. Yes, when I we suppose. stuck it to the Catholics. We stuck it to the Catholics, absolutely. And Catholics. I don't recall anybody ever contextualising this for me. I don't remember anyone really no, explaining I think that the, the reason why. why. I bet you if you go back in time to sort of, um, you know, the year after it happened, I bet you there was some kind of edict or some rule given to all the murs or all the people who ran each town and village whereby you must commemorate this day with by burning an effigy. I, I, I bet the well roots of it are something like that. Because, essentially, it's a warning to the curious, isn't it? Absolutely it is. You know, it, it regardless of is, yeah. denomination, it's like, do not fuck with us. And there's many people who... I saw a documentary years ago. I think it was... What was he called? Dan Cruikshank or something like that. Yes. Um, I think yeah, it yeah. was him. And uh, it was called um, The Gunpowder Plot, Exploding the Myth. And it went through it all and stuff. And uh, the conclusion of that was effectively that 5.11 was an inside job and that it had been sort of like they were allowed to do this and mm. because they knew everyone, nobody was in Parliament that day and all this other shit. Uh, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to suggest that they were allowed to get away with this so that the government had something with which to scapegoat Catholics. And also, um, th again, it's that problem-reaction-solution thing, isn't it? You know, it's like, we can bring in these new laws to clamp down on these people because this has happened. Yeah, it's history repeating. Yes, again. It always does. Well, I think the saying that I like is, history may not repeat, but it rhymes. Yes. I like that. I think I that's. Like that. I think that's most definitely where we are. Now, we are, you know, on one of these curves where we have been many times before, and... We will come out the other side of it because every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I mean, already you're getting big movements reacting to the orthodoxy because you can't or you can't simultaneously be the counterculture and um, in control of the narrative. You can't. No matter mm. how many people who you know claim that stopping a chubby brown gig going on, who claim that they're they're smashing it to the man and this that and the other, not really. You're not really, because your interests are aligned and coordinated with the people in power. Mm. You know, and although I'm not a fan of Roy Chubby Brown, um, I don't see why he shouldn't be allowed to do his shows. No, I don't. You know? That one's a bit beyond me. I don't, I don't understand that at all. It's a dangerous precedent, isn't it? I mean, Comedi Comedians are always the first to be silenced. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the worry, isn't it? The first people that you go for in a revolution are the educators and the artists. Every single time. And this is a cultural revolution. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Make no mistake about it. You know, we're in it. We're in mm. it. The culture war, as they call it. Yes. Um, I don't know if I'll be asked to try and blow up the Houses of Parliament, though. That sounds like a lot of work. And, and I would prefer to watch the stone tape. So. Absolutely, but I think it's uh, I think it's a lot more insidious than like 
you know, overt acts of violence and stuff like that. I think it's a case of closing down shows, telling you what you can and can't read or view or say. You know, that that's the way these things work. It's a sort of it's a socialized system of warfare, isn't it? Whereby mm. you will be ostracized by your peer group if you exhibit the wrong opinions or if you you know, if you're not on message with everything, if you're one of these people who's desperately trying to keep up with everything, you may say the wrong thing. Oh, yes. Oh, no, sorry, mate. That word went out on Tuesday. Today's yeah. word is this. Ah. <laughs> I you know, can't we, And we up. do see it, don't uh, we? Oh, God, we do. I mean, I, I, I can't. I, I, I can't. No. I'm, I don't, I've got a limited capacity, and it's full of nice things, usually, and it's full of just enjoyable, nice things. And, and I can't cope with the language changing that much. No. No. And it's, it's generally behaviour is dictated by just uh, good manners and just mm. being decent, isn't it? You know, that's all well, you need to be. Don't be a, don't yeah. be a, I don't hesitate to use the word, don't be an arsehole. That's it. Well, that's the easiest thing, isn't it? Don't be shit. Yeah. And if you are being shit, be less shit. That's yes. it. Yes, yes. Identify Simple. Just and be change. less shit. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It's not that difficult. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I'm unsure That's whether... like Jerry Springer's final thought there, isn't it? That's just what we yeah, Don't be shit. Nice moral. Don't be shit. He should have said, don't be shit and be good to each other. Good night. That we'll have to rig better. up a little spotlight on you and, and, and have a feature of nice things. Paul's final thought. But it's always the same thing of don't be shit. Yes. Good night. And remember, don't be shit. <laughs> don't have it's like nightmares. The epilogue. <laughs> yes. Yes. Epilogue. Yes. I always remember there was an epilogue in the streets of San Francisco. <coughs> you won't know what that is. I only know the epilogue as being the thing that they show read by a vicar just before close down. Yes. Billy Conley does a great bit on that in an audience with. And do you oh. know is the key? And do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching football <laughs> the other day with my son, Timothy. Um, I can't remember I what thought, the bit is. It's, yeah. yeah. Do you remember it? It's, oh, no, it's wonderful, but it's so accurate because it's always, that's exactly how they'd always begin with it. The Reverend uh, B.R. Yes. Basingstoke from Cambridgeshire. And it was always, well, the other day, I was sitting in the garden. I was looking at the birds, and I thought, isn't that what Jesus would have done every time, whatever he'd like done Conley that week? says, and do you know is the key? And it's like, and do you know? <laughs> but I'm trying to think, was it Ricky Fuller or Fulton, the Scottish Ricky comedian? Fulton, I was about to Fulton. say, when he used to do... He, what was his reverend? The reverend I am jolly. And ah! do it on... Thank Scotch you. and rye That's on the New fella. Year's Eve for years. I love Ricky Fulton. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he was great. Wonderful. What was that double act he started off in? Was it Josie and... Yes, it was. Uh, Josie oh, and... Um, Francie. Francie, yeah. Yeah, uh, but Josie who Francie. Was, who's the comedian? Oh, God. It, it, it's still alive. Very old Scottish comedian. Stanley Baxter. Oh, yes. Um, Stanley Baxter and Ricky Fulton hated each other. Oh, bad. Abt like poison. They hated each other. Well, I yes. think I think it's possibly because Ricky Fulton, because of course Stanley Baxter in this book, he's come out as gay at the age of 150 or whatever he is. Yes. But it's he's suggesting that Ricky Fulton knew about that and wouldn't stand for it at all. But uh yeah. I mean, but Ricky Fulton, oh, I absolutely love Scotch and Rye. Oh, it's brilliant. Predictability and yeah. Have you seen the clip, thinking about it, uh, from Live Into 85? Now, I don't think it's Ricky Fulton, but it's someone who looks like him, trying to do a Robbie, Bone, uh, Robbie Burns poem, but p 
pissed up their head live on BBC One Scotland Real. and they just start restarting the poem all the time and getting quite arsy with people. <laughs> Might be Ricky Fulton, I'll have to check, but yeah, love Ricky Fulton. Oh yes, super. I, I mean, he didn't die all that long ago, did he? Was it like late 90s or early 2000s? Oh, I think it was early 2000s. He had Alzheimer's, didn't he? I remember reading about that. Like, But I mean, that's a proper institution up there, isn't it? I mean, and, and mm. that character's a real trope, you know. I, I don't think people would associate with that character now because the, the most people's everyday existence isn't really infiltrated in any way, is it, by clergymen? Well, no, I mean, mine was by Reverend Brown, but I think he was, by the time I can remember him existing, he was already well past it. I mean, he was in his late 70s when I was yeah, christened. Yeah, we, we had a Father so Grey. Mm. So you had a Reverend Brown and we had a Father Grey. There you go. And I, I, Reverend Brown was lovely, but I do remember the first time I ever... I think it's the first time I've ever sort of overheard anything conspiratorial in my life, actually. So immediately I noticed it because it was like something out of telly. But it was people discussing the fact that Reverend Brown's sermons, they are going on a bit now. They are rambling and he does lose the plot. I think people were recognising the fact that maybe it was time to move on. Um, but he died and therefore won. So yes, he got to meet his maker. Down. He did. Well, I mean, here we are. What is it now? Um, what year was the gunpowder plot? 1601 Six, or something? 1601. Yes. I don't know that, you know. I don't know uh, that. Should we have a little look, dear? I think you're right. Seeing as uh, we should have probably done our due diligence beforehand. <coughs> well, this we? is embarrassing, isn't it? it is, we'll have to cut this out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1605, there you go. 1605, right, okay. There you go. We were It was somewhere in the middle there, right? So okay. here we are, uh, 416 years later, and there's a Protestant and a Catholic getting on just fine. Just fine. So it was all for naught, it turns out, in the end. It absolutely was. We still got Boris Johnson, who's, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I can hand on my heart say the worst prime minister this country has ever had. I don't need to know the other 400 years of them. Oh, no, just just the absolute worst. We've got them and we've got the put-a-coat-on Britain people as well. Yes, yes, button up your overcoat, Britain, <laughs> um, and it'll all be all right. Oh, it will, but there are always nice things. Have you got any nice things this week, Mike? No, I have had oh. men around my house doing jobs and I'm jolly sick to death of them. Um, yes. But they do do a lovely job. <laughs> And let's be honest, we can't do such things. Oh no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, so we must we must content ourselves with sitting quietly in the corner, watching yes. uh, nice things on on iPads and things like that, and, and being you know um, anathema to these people. Yes, but well, I think I think it's better that we know our place. Uh, I think that. it's better that we do. Actually, I think so because. Um, Yes, I don't think yeah. I have. Um, no, I'm, I'm trying to think of a box. I bought myself a, a painting set. Actually, I've just realised. <laughs> I've just remembered. I bought myself a little desk easel, um, oh, right. and a set of acrylics and all that stuff. So I, I intend to spend the winter, you know, ca <laughs> capturing the light. Uh, Lovely. Black. Black. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Oh. Um, yep. Yeah, no, I did actually. I've got. Ooh. There we are. This is a nice one. This is a lovely book. This is the biography of Douglas Campbell. Ah, 
Right. Uh, now, I'm afraid with with the stuff, I do not like the covers. And that's the thing that no, the, puts, the cover, puts me mm, off. I don't know who, yeah. who's who's doing them. Um mm. But I don't, I don't actually. But then I'm, I'm. So, you can't judge a book by the cover, dear. No, no, not at all. But um, oh, well, it's literally just arrived before we started recording. It's a limited hardback edition, two hundred and sixteen of three hundred. But uh, it's not signed or anything. So I think what they mean is I bought the hardback version. Um, but yeah, there we go. It's just turned up. I love Douglas Camphor. Oh God, yes, 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 God, yes. So good. I mean, it's... I, I hope there's something in there about the Lotus Eaters. Oh, there will be. There'll There's be. There'll be everything be, in there. Yeah, yeah, there has to be. So yes, yes, authoritative. So I'm going to dive into that over the over the weekend. I think. Yeah, but, I, I uh, need to get over my sort of um, prejudice about the covers because that's a that will be. A, well, you can tell me if it's good. Do us a review next week. No, I, I will. But uh, it's it's a strange one that because you know same company with the old Jackie Hill that's got a bit. You know that's a lovely yeah, that's cover. a nice nice. It's, it's those sort of pe- lovely photo color pencil ones they do. I don't like them. No, you know I mean? I'm not. I'm not overly. Reminds keen, me of GCSE but... artwork. Yes, it does a little bit, but we'll um, see. We'll see what the contents are like. That's we'll all that matters, isn't it? That you is. know, it is. Yes. I mean, it's got a lovely spine. Books, to be fair. Oh, let's got, have a look you know, at that, that then, dear. There's the spine. Ah, now we like the typeface, don't we? We do like the typeface. There we go. Yes. So on the on the shelf, that'll look. That'll that well. will. That's a nice sans so, serif. That is. Yes, and it looks lovely. very much like uh, the. I, don't, I would say sort of. Season six typeface, yes. actually, it is. doesn't it? It yeah. absolutely is. The oh, season is that six one? typeface, right. yeah, because he yeah. did the invasion, so it'd be because of that. I so. see. There I remember go. he did Inferno, didn't he? Wait, so he took of. over, didn't he? Or did he take ill? No, he took ill. That uh, I think it, yeah. when they were doing episode three um, yes. of Inferno, because they they were doing the two episodes at once uh, then. They stopped doing the whole thing of rehearse for four days into studio. So they were giving each show, I think they were doing nine days rehearsal and then recording two uh, on the bounce. Yeah. And it was during episode three. Yeah, he had this heart condition. Um, yes, suddenly yes, he was yes. really ill. But you don't notice that change. You don't notice when he goes no. and um, uh, Barry Letts takes over because. His planning, his camera scripts were just perfect, apparently. Wow. They were militaristic. Yeah. Um, so, yes, looking forward to reading about him and see, and especially The Nightmare Man. Do you remember that one? Oh, ah, yeah, Belton. Yeah. Oh, wonderful stuff. Yeah. Um, written by Robert Holmes. Um, so, yeah. It was a hard Hopefully thing that did for him, wasn't it? Ultimately. It was, yeah. And he was only about 52 or something yeah. like that. I think yeah, the last a, thing he, he did was Beau Jest. Mm. Yeah, he did. Wasn't yeah, he got the guitar out. That was a Barry Letts, and that was a big one. That was a big production. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think that was the last thing he did. So um, yeah, his son, who is called Jugs um, uh, Jugs Canfield, he's on he's on Twitter. Worth a follow, I would say. Oh, brilliant! Okay, that's yes. a good uh, a good bit of info. The one book yeah. that you are always on about that I want and I keep looking for is the Derek Newitt one. Mm. Want can't find. Can't find no. it anywhere. No. Need to reprint so, that. They really do. Someone, Phantom Films, whatever you yes, call Phantom Publishing. Yes, they need to do it. They need to do it. Get that one it. out there. Oh, Absolutely I'd love to read that, that out there. But yes, yeah, so there's the one book. I have I have ordered myself a little vinyl of the Pentangle. Um, oh, nice. Yes. I thought we'd just get a little bit of that in. Um, that's not arrived. And so you looked up 
Uh, the Incredible String Band on vinyl. I did. Mm. Uh, I looked up. Yeah. I, I looked right up, right to the peak yes. of... Uh, yeah, a mint copy. If I, A mint one, I'm looking at about 85, 90 quid. Yeah. Did you listen yeah. to it? I did. It's brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And I want it now on vinyl, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Oh. The Hangman's Beautiful Daughter is such a good album. Absolutely wonderful stuff. But uh, again, do do a repressing. Let's get some. Are you sure it's not been repressed? I haven't. Hang on. I, I will tell you now, but I don't believe it has. I mean, I've just been looking on Discogs, so it could be that it's on Amazon for a fiver. Yes. Repressed um, like all us Englishmen. <laughs> uh, here we go. In CDs and vinyl. Da, da, da. Um, CD. Six ninety nine. Oh, dreadful! No, um, no, no. There isn't actually. Um, oh, the, oh no. There's a platinum CD disc in a frame no. uh, for one hundred and eighty quid. No, um, no. No, we want the vinyl, don't we? But there is no. There is no current vinyl available. So there damn, we go. Damn. There needs to be. There, there definitely really needs does. to be. It's such a good album. That is. Mm. It's such a high watermark of that psychedelic, psychedelic folk genre yeah. and another oh God, thing um, a mate of mine keeps telling me to listen to and you might know this i don't is um donovan's albums um his, his first four albums are apparently stunning stuff well all his outputs amazing apparently mm. but the Same. early stuff is is lovely the, the lesser known stuff yeah yeah yes Music oh, for absolutely. small people or songs for small people or something like that. So, songs, songs for small people, I think, yeah. Something think. like it's meant to be brilliant. And I keep saying, because Richard, uh, Richard Allen of Snapper Music, he's, his taste is impeccable. The things he sends me, it's just like, yes, again, mm. brilliant. But I don't have the money to buy more of this sort of... He's very well up on uh, uh, West Coast psychedelia, you know, the stuff that isn't run-of-the-mill. You know, so the things we know are like the seeds and thirteenth floor elevators and all that sort of thing. But he sort of knows all these weird things, you know. Oh, um, lovely! And to get them on vinyl, it's just like forget about it, mate. Oh, it's it's impossible, isn't it? It's absolutely impossible. Um, but now I did well. Whilst I was on Discogs, though, I did um, have a moment. One of one of those. I might write to the BBC. Well, why? Oh, why yes. is this not available on record? Um, yes. Which the theme tune to the District Nurse. And I got right. quite cross, thinking, well, why why was that never released as a seven-inch single? Should I complain now? Um, and then I checked, and it was. Oh. That, Is it on a good its thing, way. then? Oh, oh God, it's beautiful. Right. How much did you buy that for? Come on. Uh, £2.80. Oh, that's most respectable, dear. Plus £4.50 postage and packaging. Oh, um, dear. Was this from Holland or something? Well, no, Manchester to Mancunians down there. Ooh, thieving yes. bastards. <laughs> yes. Two pounds no, eighty. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful tune. Um, absolutely love that tune, which immediately made me think that there's one of the cornerstones of my schedule. When I'm given the BBC, I'm going to commission series four of the District Nurse. That's right, I see. So we pick up where we left off. I mean, when it starts, one presumes Neris Hughes is still beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, they, I think they started it in 82? Right. 1982. Yeah. So yeah. the 10 years... Oh, no, we're only three years maybe after the, the end of the Maybe birds. the tiniest hint of a double chin is beginning tiniest in the district. Hint. I think that was coming in at the end of the Live Birds, wasn't it? It was a bit. But then yes. she, she in the district nurse, she's got this... Um, 
Oh, I can only describe it as a Janet Ellis sort of look to her. Like the get out, really kinky. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, that needs to come back. Janet, uh, uh, not Janet Ellis, I'm obsessed. Neris Hughes, I reckon she'd take a cameo, 79 years old, except that it's about her granddaughter, who is now the district nurse in the 50s. So you could explore all sorts of things there, and it's a perfect opportunity to cancel Call the Midwife. Because that perfect shouldn't be opportunity on. For, a, for, a, for a woke reimagining of District no. Nurse. No, 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 no. This is just no. Welsh people being cross. Okay. Like the original. That's all well, I want. We'll see about that via the committee. We'll see what they have to say about that, dear boy. Well, if we get that passed, I'm going to move forward with uh, the next Doctor Who being Ronald Allen. Problems, of course. Picture dead. it. Dead. Yeah, I've been a bit. I but, don't know if Ronnie would be good as who, you know. He's he's very, very static. But think about him in the comic strip as well. He was he's capable still of doing very, stuff. He's like, a, he's like pl- a placid ocean. It's all going on beneath yeah, the surface with Alan. Absolutely. Imagine those Cartmel scripts, but with, with Ronnie Allen doing the old Uta Hagen method on them. Oh. <laughs> you think, do you think Alan had that level of thought process with his acting? I absolutely do, yeah. I, could, I do. Yes. I think it was just a case of, what are the words, right? <laughs> no, 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 there is, no. There's absolute thought process going on here. Well, when he's there's holding cr- the orange in tinfoil with the candle stuck in it, and he lights his fag off it, no doubt, when the candle's <laughs> not looking. There's, there's he's thought, thinking of the nine questions. Who am I? <laughs> There's one point where he shouts at someone in a crossroads and he does about three emotions, one after the other, all in the eyes. Doesn't move anything else at all. Yes, I want a drink, I want a cigarette. When are we going? That'll be it. It'll be that they'll have, they'll have done them like Stan Laurel did all these reaction shots when he wanted to go home. You know. I've heard, I've heard him do shouting acting twice. Yeah. He could shout. He could certainly shout. I think that um, I'd have liked to have seen Ken Campbell do Doctor Who. I would have loved that. Didn't he want uh, quite a bit of control over what happened in the script? Oh, he'd have had, he'd have wanted hundred percent control. I'm sure of it. It was Ken Campbell. Yeah, you know that could have been a problem. He'd write it, direct it, and star in it. Incredible human being, an incredible this is true. human being. He this would is have, true. He would have embodied it. Another one we lost far too young. Ken Campbell. Far too young. Dear, dear. Dear, 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 these giants that were... Oh, I love... I just like hearing the words, Ken Campbell. Yeah, He's brilliant. No, In Julian Cope's autobiography, the the Ken Campbell stuff is just great. Just great. Mm. Julian Cope being a great website if you go to Head Heritage. I think mm-hmm. it's .co.uk. If you want to look up music, Paul, there's so much recommendation in there. I shall, I shall have a look. Very, very good. Well, I think and we've it, ran out of time, maybe. I there. think we have. I, I want to make one little recommendation, Ooh, though, just off the do. back of that, um, which is uh, a podcast which is, and I don't know if you're a fan, um, but Richard Herring has just done one of his Leicester Square Theatre podcasts with Barry Cryer. Ah, good old Baz. Uh, and it's just an hour and a half of one-liners. Just so, so Baz must wonderful. be now 85, 86 mm. comfortably, mustn't he? Yes. Fucking yeah. hell, I hope I'm like that at that age. Oh, God, I hope so. He's absolutely wonderful. That's worth a listen. I shall. I shall definitely, definitely watch that. I remember, um, I can't think of the theatre. I think it might have been The Palace when it was his 80th, the big show in London that they did for his mm. 80th. And he was up in one of the ashtrays. With a microphone on a stand, and so when he fancied it, he's pulled it over anyway, and he just joined <laughs> in, no matter what was going on, you know. Oh, and I think the whole thing closed with Humphrey Littleton's granddaughter, is it? 
Oh, and playing really? in a band. Is that correct? I or, don't know. Or Humphrey don't Littleton, know. Littleton's daughter. I can't remember. I know that um, Barry's daughter was involved with it. It was a great night. Neil was on. Um, oh, it was Brill. Um, and I th- uh. think the whole VO was done um, by... Oh, who's that guy who does Barry from Watford? Is it Alex Lowe? Alex. Something like that. Anyway, he, yes, did, he yeah. did Terry Wogan sort of narrating the whole evening. It was a marvellous oh. night. Wonderful Lovely people. Night. Splendid yes. funerals. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was superb that night. So he must be eighty five, eighty six, because that, yeah, that would have been about twenty sixteen. That, yeah, and for his mind to be that sharp, it's just amazing the amount of, the amount of jokes stored up there. A bit like you know Bob Monkhouse without the books, oh, but yeah. just yeah, rattling yeah. through, just yeah. still as sharp. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you can't have a chat with him without. I mean, I told you his parrot joke only last week. Um, yes. Which we'll save for another time, but um, yes. it's a brilliant joke, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think now. How there's no equivalence to him. There's no someone that night. I think it was Neil that night. Neil Innes. I think he said that night that the process of freezing old comedians had just been perfected and was known as cryogenics. Um, <laughs> I think. Oh. When he kept pulling the microphone across to it, yeah, yeah, just joining in, it's funny as fuck. And uh, one of the, I'll, I will leave it at this, but one of the things he said was, he pulled the mic across when people are talking up to him. You know, there's people on stage talking, I think it was Robin Ince or someone like that, who's shouting up to Barry and saying this, that, and the other. Because there were so many famous people there that night who loved the guy. And uh, he just leads across and he's like answering his questions. He's like, they take your trousers off you in here, you know. As if, as, as if he was in an old folks home. It was just fucking great. Oh, he's superb. Well, on wonderful. that light, fluffy, yes. wonderful note of an irreplaceable uh, nice thing, very nice yeah, very thing, nice Barry thing. Cryer, you could do a whole show on Bazza. Um have a lovely bonfire night, Paul. Have a lovely bonfire night. Have a lovely one. Everyone at home. And until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye, children. to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. <laughs>